0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 8920521 The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped preaching and teaching the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of the apostles, that they did not compromise their conviction of preaching Christ crucified and resurrected. And Lord, we pray that the church today would be a church of conviction, that we would be courageous in testifying about Jesus being alive, about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, rising from the dead to give us eternal life. Father, we pray, give us that boldness as well. Thank you for everybody listening in. Speak to our hearts now from your word as we look at it more intently. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the series is entitled The Church in Action, A Journey Through Acts. And today's message is to tell the truth. Acts chapter 5, to tell the truth. But before we look at that, let's see how this practical manual, this ministry manual from Acts applies to the modern-day church. In chapter 1, the question is, how can we widen our circles of influence? And the answers, practically speaking, are we could write to others, like Luke wrote to Theophilus. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, We're to look forward to the return of Christ as an impetus for living holy lives and serving the Lord and witnessing for him, and we're to join with others in prayer, and we're to be a witness of the risen Lord. Acts chapter 2 answers the question, how can we declare the wonders of God? And we can declare the wonders of God by being united in prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit, by using simple language, by answering questions, by expecting a response, by assimilating new believers. Acts 3 answers the question, how can we give what we have to in Christ to people in need? And the answer is, be prayerful, be available, get people's attention, help others in Jesus' name, and share the gospel. Acts 4, which we looked at last week, Answers the question, how do we stand up for Jesus when those in charge are trying to silence us? And the practical answers to that are, expect opposition, expect conversions, expect questioning, and expect the supernatural. Today, we look at Acts chapter 5, and it answers the question, how do we live in unity? You see, in Acts 4, The church was so united that they were sharing and giving to one another, and Barnabas sold his property and laid the entire proceeds at the feet of the apostles so it could be distributed and shared among the members of the church. You remember there were 120 in the upper room praying, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were witnesses declaring the wonders of God and Peter preached and 3000 were added to the church so there were at least 3120 people in the church many were pilgrims from other parts of the world who came to Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost and they were going to, they were not going to go home they were going to stay in Jerusalem because they wanted to be part of this new movement called the way because they were followers of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So these followers of the way were sharing in common what they had. There was unity. And the question as we go into chapter 5 is how do we live in unity? How do we maintain that unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace that is ours in Christ? And if you look at chapter 5, verse 1, it depends on your translation. But the first word should be but. Chapter 5, verse 1 should not say now, but it should say but. Because it's a contrast. The contrast is between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Barnabas, also known as the son of encouragement, gave all that he had and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Ananias and Sapphira gave only part of the proceeds, but claimed they were giving all of it to the church. So, how do we live in unity? Number one, don't lie to God. Don't lie to God. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Peter somehow found out, or was given discernment by the Spirit, that Ananias and Sapphira had sold their property for such an amount of money, but they only gave a a portion of that and withheld some of the money. By the word, the word withheld is the same word as Achan in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Joshua withheld some of the plunder from Jericho and he buried it under his tent. Remember that story? We say Achan was Achan for a break in because he and his family were killed due to their disobedience. God said, No you're not to hold back, take any of the plunder. But because of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, Achan withheld some, just as Ananias and Sapphira withheld some of the monies. And so when they claimed that they were giving everything, why did they do that? Well, it was pure hypocrisy. They were pretending to be more generous and more godly than they really were. And actually, Satan had gotten a place in their heart. Now, for the Christian, the Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but a Christian can be demonized. There's a difference. Demon-possessed is when uh, demons come in and possess a heart that's been empty. And a person without Christ has an empty heart and can be demon-possessed. But a Christian has Christ in his heart and cannot be demon-possessed, but demonized. Demonized means that demons have taken a toehold into the heart to commandeer, to take control. And we have to be careful not to let the devil have a toehold, then a foothold, then a stronghold, then a stranglehold in our lives. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You say, Satan, get behind me, and he must leave you. You say, I am going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to give unto the Lord, and I'm not going to be dishonest. I'm not going to be a person without integrity. I am going to be authentic. God wants authenticity, not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is play-acting. It's wearing a mask where you pretend to be something that you're not. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira were guilty of, inspired by Satan, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that Peter said to Ananias, didn't it all belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. The Bible is very uh, clear about this. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, uh, Do not be mocked. Uh, God is not mocked. Uh, What a man sows, that will he also reap. In other words, you can't pull a fast one on God. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. There were these students who were trying to pull the wool over their professor's eyes. They were late or they missed their final and they wanted to do a makeup and they said the reason that they were late or missed their final was because they had a flat tire. And so the professors allowed them to have a makeup final exam. The first question was worth five points and they were gladly answering that. On the next page was a question that was worth 95 points. And the question was, Which tire? You see, if they were lying and they said different tires, they would be found out. The professor was wiser than them. He knew that they were lying. And you know what? God knows our hearts. He knows whether we're being honest. He knows whether we're giving all. Some people sing, I surrender all. And other people sing, I surrender some. But pretend I'm giving all. God knows. You can't fool God. So, this is why honesty and integrity is the foundation of unity. You cannot have a marriage, or a church, or a friendship, or a government that is full of lies. It will crumble. It will cave in on itself. Integrity, honesty, is the foundation of any relationship any community, and God had to deal with this severely otherwise lying and deception would seep into the church and cause disunity. Secondly, avoid controversies or conspiracies. Avoid conspiracies. This is found in chapter 5, verses seven, eleven. Sapphira, the wife of Ananias, conspired with her husband to be dishonest, to lie about the amount of money they were giving. It says in chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Now, right there, she could have said, no, really wasn't. But she didn't know that Ananias had come in and he had lied and he dropped dead. So she conspired. She agreed with him to deceive. And she said, yes. That is the price. And Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? The word conspire means to pressure out. So Ananias and Sapphira were not only allowing Satan to fill their hearts, but they were pushing or pressuring out the Holy Spirit from their lives. They were testing the Holy Spirit, conspiring against Him, and we are not to be part of any conspiracy. Now listen carefully. If you would imagine that God would wink and look the other way because there was lying in the church and there was conspiring in the church, what would have happened to the early church? The infant church would have fallen apart. The infant church would have been infiltrated by Satan, who is the original liar, and that's the language that he speaks. He speaks in lie. And so God had to divinely and severely deal with this to make a point. Dishonesty and deception and conspiracies will not be part of my church. I want unity, I want holiness and harmony. You can't have holiness and harmony if you have deceit and conspiracies. Now, why are conspiracies bad? Because not only do you have people who lie, but then you have people who agree to the lie and pass on the lie, and it causes much disruption. There's a lot of pain in our country today because people are not only lying they are conspiring to cause harm by spreading lies. And you know what it's doing? It's tearing our country apart because of lies and conspiracies. Test the spirits and hold to that which is true, is what the Bible says. And so don't believe everything you hear and don't pass on everything you receive. Test it out. Hang on to the truth. The third way we can keep unity Is meet regularly with believers. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12b says, And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. You know, we sang the song by Brian Jeffrey Leach, We Are the Family of God. And in there, he talks about an ember. An ember by itself will die alone, but you put that with others and it will burn brightly. When you don't fellowship in the church, your faith loses its glow. Your faith diminishes. It's easy to get sidetracked by the cares and the riches of this world. You must stay in fellowship. When I was 17 years old, and I needed a reference from a pastor for my Eagle Scout application, I said, Mom, I haven't been to church since I was 14 when I received Christ. What should I do? And she says, Well, I just read in the paper there's a church starting up the hill. You could walk up the hill and go to that church that's meeting at the elementary school. So I did. I walked up there and I attended church. And you know what? When I sat down in the church service, I could almost hear the Lord speaking to me. And he says, Lou, welcome home. Where have you been? And I knew right then that's where I belonged. I belong in fellowship with other Christians. And after a while, I grew so quickly in the Lord because I was in fellowship with other Christians, hearing God's word and worshiping the Lord and praying. And this caused great spiritual growth, so much so that I would compare my Christian life before going to church and my Christian life after the church. I'd say before I went to church, it was like I was running with lead boots in quicksand. But after I started going back to church, it was like I was running in lightweight running shoes on a six-lane freeway. What progress. What a difference. So, it's important that we be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4, verse 3. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do not neglect the meeting of one another together, as is the habit of some, is the warning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. So this is very interesting. Let's, let's follow the rest of this thought. Here's all the believers They're meeting together in Solomon's colonnade. There is great fear that has seized them. They have been sobered up that God wants holiness and harmony. The reverence of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is in their midst. And it says no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So the people outside heard the story that Ananias and Sapphira instantly dropped dead, when they thought they were getting away with hypocrisy. Now, here's the problem with the church today. The church today is more interested in marketing than in upholding high standards. If we would uphold the high standard of holiness, then people would have respect for us and high regard for us, and they would know they have to count the cost about following Jesus. But because we throw out the church as the fun place to be, and we lower the bar, people join the church, and the church is diluted and compromised, and everyone says, oh, I go to that church, but I live like the devil. The early church set the bar high, because the Lord sets the bar high. It's not to be taken lightly to be a follower of Christ. You're going to be committed to Jesus as Lord, and not just live any old way, dishonoring Him and His word. And a goes on to say in verse 14, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Isn't that interesting? When you raise the bar of what it means to be a Christian, of Christ's follower, more people want to believe and follow Christ. When you lower the bar and you make it such that you could be in like Flynn, then people disrespect and take the church for granted or they misuse the church and they blaspheme the name of Christ. We need to raise the standard, holiness and harmony. Fourth, the way to maintain unity and have unity is pray for people's healing. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? There's healing in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, as a result of people being added to the church as a result of holiness being established, that there should be integrity and honesty for unity, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. They knew there was such a reputation of holiness, there was such a reputation of spiritual power, there was such a reputation of the supernatural evidence of the risen Christ that they brought their sick ones so that he might, they might be healed, even by the shadow of Peter falling upon them. It goes on to say, "...crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem." bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. What a testimony to the resurrection of Christ. All of them were healed. When I went to Nepal, they have many shamans and witch doctors. And you have to offer sacrifices. They may heal your son, who is very sick, but you have to give them sacrifices, which only commits you to them. And I saw a witch doctor going like this. And the interpreter with me said he's asking for more offerings, more money before he does anything for that son. And you know what? Here in Nepal, they're bringing the sick to the church. We're not asking for money. But we pray in the name of Jesus, and Jesus heals them. And he heals them permanently. Whereas these shamans, they do There are incantations, and there may be a temporary, superficial healing, but it doesn't last. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Now, of course, Peter was the leader in the church, and his authority and his um, leadership was being um, confirmed by his important dealing with Ananias and Sapphira and by his reputation of God using him to do miracles. But today, what is the equivalent? What's the practical thing we can do? I don't think people are going to be healed if they uh, come under the shadow of Lou Diaz. But I do believe that if I pray in Jesus' name for their healing, if it's God's will, he's able to heal, and he will heal. And by the way, there's healing that's even better and more important than just physical healing. There's the spiritual healing of salvation, that people make trust in Christ and go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive that's a miracle and we are to pray for people to be spiritually healed as well as physically healed that would bring unity if we were all praying with a heart for god oh lord heal people of this disease called sin oh god show people that you are the source and supplier of all healing that you are the great physician Please, Lord, heal these people to your glory. And again, if God does not heal a person, does that mean that person has little faith, that it's not enough? No. Jesus said if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, as long as it's placed in the right place, if it's placed in the Lord, he says you can move mountains. So it's not the size of your faith, it's God's will. God is sovereign. He knows what is best, whether that person be healed or not. So we trust in him. The last thing that holds us together in unity is that we are to tell about new life in Christ. Imagine, if we don't lie to God, if we don't allow conspiracies and we avoid conspiracies, if we meet together in fellowship regularly, and if we tell, and if we pray for healing for people, because we're burdened for them, and we tell about the new life in Christ, we would be united. We would be together, agreeing with one another. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? That's Amos chapter 3, verse 3. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? There was a contest to see if a person could walk on a railroad track rail for one mile. The prize would be $500. And this was a challenge thrown out to a Boy Scout troop. And one Boy Scout after another went on this abandoned railroad track rail, and they tried to walk as far as they could with their balance, and they would fall. Finally, two Boy Scouts got an idea. One got on one rail, one got on the other rail and they held hands and they walked one mile on the railroad track rails and they got the 500 and split it 250 each. How can we walk together? By holding hands, by cooperating with one another on the same purpose, on the same cause, on the same priority that God has. And what is that priority? Tell others about new life in Christ. You see, all the apostles were thrown in jail. Not just Peter and John. All the apostles were thrown in jail by the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were one of those religious parties in Jesus' day and the day of the apostles. And so were the Pharisees. And the way you distinguish the Sadducees from the Pharisees is the Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. They were the liberal theologians of their day. They explained away anything that was supernatural, and therefore they did not believe in the resurrection. And so the easy way to remember that is they were sad, you see. They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the the, uh, supernatural. The Pharisees did believe in angels, in the resurrection, and in the supernatural. So they were fair, you see. Fair, you see. So there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, it's the Sadducees who often were the aristocracy of their society. They were the top of the top. They were the richest ones. And you know what holds a bunch of rich people together? Uh, It's a bunch of dough. Uh, It's a bunch of crumbs with dough. And that's what they were. They were the rich people. They were the rulers of the Sanhedrin, which was the governing uh, board of the, of, the country, of the people of Israel. And the Pharisees were part of that as well. But the Sadducees were really on top. Anyway, the Sadducees were mad because Peter and the others were blaming them for the crucifixion of Jesus the Messiah and they were so mad that the high priest couldn't even say Jesus' name. I don't know if you caught that in the uh, scriptures, but when, uh, when the Sadducee um, uh, chief priest is talking to Peter, he says in verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Notice he doesn't say Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. He doesn't mention Jesus. They are so mad that the resurrection is being preached because they don't believe in the resurrection that he can't even say Jesus' name. The point here is that Peter says, who are we going to obey? You or God? We're going to preach the gospel no matter what and you can't stop us because we have higher orders from the commander-in-chief, God himself. And so they're thrown in jail, and an angel comes in the middle of the night, and he delivers them. And what does the angel say to the apostles? Verses 20 and 21, he says, Go, stand in the temple courts, and tell the people all about this new life. That's the Great Commission repeated again. Go and tell people that there's new life in Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. That we can have new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're to tell other people about that. That's priority. That is our unity of purpose. And so it says... At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. So how do we live in unity as a church? How did they live in unity as a church in the early church? And how do we live in unity as a church in the 21st century? Don't lie to God. Avoid conspiracies. Meet regularly with believers. Pray for people's healing and tell people about new life in Christ. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.